Welcome to The Sipping Forecast. My name's Cathy Caton. I'm a radio producer and presenter, and I'm also the founder of Brighton Gin. This podcast is all about great booze and the brilliant people and fantastic community behind it all. When I was planning this podcast, which I've been working on for quite a long time, the shadow of COVID-19 hadn't fallen across our whole industry. Uh, So it's inevitable that the first few, and may it only be the first few episodes, are going to reflect everything COVID-19. But let's get cracking. Kicking us off today, co-conspirator in Brighton Gin and friend of 18 years or so, Ellie Dobin. I'm Ellie. I have been the chief gin peddler at Brighton Gin for a while. (laughs) Uh, But I've been around since the beginning, haven't I? And uh, Cathy is a very good friend of mine. Somehow, still, (laughs) despite it all. A very long time. And when she said nine years ago, hey, no one's making Brighton Gin, we should make Brighton Gin. I could have run for the hills, couldn't I? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. But here I am, nine years later, and uh, we're not making stupid amounts of gin at the moment, are we? Because <laughs> we must <laughs> we're definitely not. We are in this absolutely extraordinary time that kind of already already feels to me like this has been what our lives have been like for a long time mm. even though we could, we're what three and a half weeks into it or so yeah I, I i was trying to think about it the other day because um the schools closed the friday before we went into full lockdown didn't they so it feels like gill has been off school for weeks and and let's let, let's meet our cast. Tell us about tell us who you are sharing your space with at the moment. I am sharing my space with my son and my partner, and I have to say we're really fortunate that we all like each other uh, enough. As my partner adds on the end of that, yeah. So we're actually having quite a nice time. We're doing the juggle of working and homeschool and Easter holidays and uh, trying to make the best of it and think about all the other people that aren't quite as fortunate as us so um yeah we're all right actually we're okay and we're well touch wood i'm touching wood <laughs> you've you've alluded to it to it there i think but how have you found the the experience so far i feel a bit bad saying this because it's a bit of a guilty secret but we're having quite a nice time i one of the things that um or well, lots of the things that have happened as a consequence of coronavirus are amazing um, including the fact that all the people on my street are suddenly communicating with each other in a way that they weren't a few weeks ago. And I really hope that those friendships that have started, you know, building up continue. I think they will. That's lovely. But, you know, that's not the case for everyone. It'd be a completely different situation if you were stuck in a high rise with three kids and somebody you didn't like very much. And, I'm, you know, I think it's important to remember that. Um but lots of people are doing incredible things and and that's that's wonderful. It really is. And, you know, God, look at some of the messages of support that Brighton Gin has had on Twitter with the whole hand sanitizer thing. And people are really getting behind such an amazing movement of, you know, being kind to people and, and you know, but that, as I say, it's uh, 
it's from a very fortunate position that all of us can that you know we have the option to reflect and to reach out to other people and so on um not everyone's in that position Absolutely. And I think as well, there's that the whole thing that, um, you know, in, in any moment of, of crisis, there's good and bad that comes out of, of, of that, those experiences. And uh, I personally, I hope that some of the amazing stuff that we're seeing at the moment, particularly around community effort and, and mm. connection and cohesion, ironically, at a time when we're all being needing to be physically apart from from each other i hope is something that really really um sticks around so uh so last night so yesterday was a, was a thursday and for the first time um because i haven't so on a thursday night i usually go and do a radio show and i couldn't go and do the radio Very show good. You, you never, allowed to, allowed to advertise your radio she's show never listened to it i do once. never it's, only when you're going to be on it yeah well yeah I know what you think Lord. about things. I'd have to listen to you all day as it is. <laughs> but yes. um but that, that radio show is usually on a usually on a Thursday, um, and it starts at eight o'clock. So um so but because I couldn't do it yesterday because I was a bit bit crook and need to make sure that um that uh you know, no one needs to be catching anything at the moment. So wasn't at the BBC yesterday, wasn't doing my show. But it did mean that I could dangle out of the window of my flat and listen to and participate in the um the uh, clap for for carers and for the nhs and going on and which is something i've been covering on the radio for the last few few weeks but not been able to experience in person and it was really um uh you know as, as moving as it's been to cover it on the radio if not more so yeah yeah i find it very moving actually and uh and everyone's grinning away as well. It's it's uh, it's it's really it's really nice. Yeah, I uh, hear there's been quite a lot of of anti upping. So there've been I hear that bagpipes have been introduced in various places. Someone had a French horn round here yesterday, which was um, you know. Yeah, there's there's quite a few saucepans. Showy offy. Yeah, a, a wooden spoon got broken on a saucepan last week. So uh, <gasps> dot, dot, dot. that's the kind of thing that usually ends up on the front page of the paper, actually. So. Uh... <laughs> Hold that back. The the current most overused cliche at the moment is unprecedented times, but these really are such unprecedented times. And I'm thinking from, um, let's just you know think from this the the small perspective of of our industry. You know, we work within we we craft producers making a, a an artisan product that's largely been sold into hospitality, which has. Oh, I'm. I'm. Shop. Hospitality has closed. <laughs> it has. It has, yeah. and I really, uh, and I know that there's been there's there's lots of support that's hopefully beginning to come come on board for people. But mm. I do. Um, I worry so much about how many of the lovely pubs and restaurants and cafes that I love to frequent. How many of those are going to open their their doors again when this is all over? Whenever this is all over. Yes, exactly. And that's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of friends and colleagues and, and um, people in very nerve wracking times and tales of kegs of beer going off in the cellars of pubs. And that, yes, 
it's really sad. So what are we saying, Kathy? that as soon as this is all over, everyone's got to rush to their nearest pub and knock the doors down and get drinking? Well, actually... In a responsible way, Exactly, because who, because who knows? Because I, so my, my current bet which will this will probably be very different by next week my current bet is that the the way um things are locked locked down the reverse will happen when we come out of it again because actually although the biggest bit of me is like come on let's just have a massive street party and celebrate when this is all over that's probably probably not the most sensible thing to do um and that actually those things about making sure that all of the effort and and the individual sacrifice that people have done now about keeping separate from from each other, which I think people have done much better than most people would have thought, including yeah. me. It's like oh, people are never going to English people are never going to do that. Since it's a nice day, they'll all be out having picnics and things. And with a few exceptions, though, I think people have really gone for it. Yeah, yeah. There have been so many episodes and bits in Brighton Gin's life which have been basically like a really really bad TV novella um, a Brazilian <laughs> TV novella but without without the right accents um, yes they really have what was that um thing that used to be Howard's what's it oh, Howard, Howard's well, Way hang on hang on which one is the really famous novel by E.M. Forster and which one is the uh was that in a yachting community somewhere yes yeah, um, so it's the oh. yes it's the one that doesn't have a film adaptation with Emma Thompson in it. Oh, if they could film all, Howard's you know, Way, nine years of Howard's Way. If they could film the nine years of Brighton Gin, who would you get to play you? Oh my god! <sighs> oh, you see, because well, so now I'm torn between who do I think would be a good representation of me and who would I like the excuse to meet. So of course, no, yeah, like... no, it's got to be good representation. Ah, that's him. So I can't me. just, I can't just cast Julianne Moore or or Gillian Anderson just because. Gillian Anderson, good choice. Yes, I can uh, see it. Not physically. Oh, I don't know. Could you see her on a Brighton Gin bike, huffing and puffing up and up and round the hills? Might go Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson's good. Yeah, she's quite glam though, darling. <laughs> We'll just we'll just leave a long silence there for my hurt to fit into. Miriam yeah. Margulies, there you go. Yeah, well, she's national icon, mate. You couldn't do better. It's a bloody good thing that anyway, we kept in separate things. Um, but yeah, of all the of all the different, um, we, because like any small business, any startup, particularly within the food and drink sector, oh my god, there are blows and. Buffets and wrecking balls come swinging in from so many different directions. It's a really good thing, actually, that one never knows at the beginning all of the stuff that's going to come because only a bona fide masochist would ever sign up for it. But um, but to, but to nick your but to nick your phrase, you know, who'd have thunk that it was going to be a, a virus that nearly yeah finished us off? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, it's it, it's completely ridiculous. It's if you'd said at Christmas, you know, in, in a couple of months, you'll be making hand sanitizer. Oh, and by the way, you'll be giving most of it away for free. <laughs> We'd have just thought, who's this crazy person? Pour her another drink. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and presto, it, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and, but, I, and I think, you know, and one of the things that I'm very uh, grateful for um, is that not only have we been able to do that on a, on a practical front and just trying to keep going and, and keep the keep the business and company alive, but also on that, I think collectively, we 
all have a real desire to help and to try and do something at, mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. And and actually, I, th- I consider that we're in a really privileged position that there's something that we can do to help, albeit yeah. on a tiny scale. Yeah. But um, but but we can. And the fact that we've been um, and I say we and the, all of the credit, physical credit needs to go to uh, to uh, Paul, who's basically been endlessly making hand sanitizers, adapting every single atomizer, little thing, snipping it so it fits the bottle so it doesn't leak, all this kind of stuff. He's done it absolutely by by hand. In yeah. time-honoured Brighton Gin way, let's do it all by hand in a really difficult fashion. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's done all of that. And for, and for each one that we sold through the website, that's that's paid for two to be um, donated. And I was doing some earlier, and we've been able through that we've been able to donate several 300 300 and something already to and and to that's really good wow I didn't realize it was that many that's amazing so you know and it's and that's been totally funded by people buying one through the through the website and because we can see where those ones go as well lots of people have been buying that for somebody else so they've already started by giving that to somebody else and then yeah. that's been paying for for two more to be made and and distributed um so it's yeah so in a way i, I feel it's a real privilege to be able to actually do something to to contribute positively albeit in a tiny fashion yeah yeah and we'll all survive this I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. You've been flipping on the on the wagon through all of this as well. Well, I did. I gave up booze for Lent. It was a rash decision because my dad said he was going to do it, and and I decided I would. Six weeks, nine or six weeks, forty days. Forty days yeah. and forty nights. I think you'll find. Yeah. Biblically am... speaking. <laughs> Indeed. Well, there was some there was some discussion as to whether. Lent ended on Maundy Thursday or on Good Friday and my dad who may be slightly biased <laughs> said that he definitely thought it was Maundy Thursday <laughs> so that's that's when we had a drink thank goodness um although I'm I am trying to be more sensible though mm. because you know obviously it's very tempting at 11 to kind of go oh <laughs> little sherry little G&T um, but no, we're we're, you know, we're being quite sensible. Also, it's all going to run out quite soon. So. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I know really, out. really, really good gin supplier yeah. that could just come and Don't drop something round to you for safe delivery. Brighton gin, yeah. But actually, there've there. been some really interesting. Listen to a to a program on uh, Radio Four that's all about numbers and and statistics, and. Because you can always find a sti- you can always find a st- statistic to prove your bias, which is basically what they always say in this in this program. But actually, there have been lots of um, statistics that show that although the expectation has been that people are going to be boozing themselves silly um, over the lockdown period, and for a very small proportion of people, their alcohol consumption has gone has gone up. Actually, the so far the evidence is that most people are keeping very careful eye on it so they might mm. be drinking more frequently but drinking less less yes yes i can see that and and i suppose you know that being out and about kind of party atmosphere drinking in a pub with lots of people you might be more inclined to drink more than perhaps you should whereas at home you're 
possibly less likely to do that. Although I'm saying that, but we have quite a lot of kitchen discos here. <laughs> kitchen disco all the way. And also with the, the revelation of things like, you know, Zoom, Skype, WhatsApp, yeah. house party. Um, actually, those kitchen discos suddenly can have all of your friends in it. And no one has to worry about getting a taxi home or when's a good time to leave. They just go, I'm going now. Click. Yes. <laughs> it's magic. It I'm concerned magic. that some of my friends I may never see in the flesh again because they're like, brilliant, we can just do this in our slippers. Don't need to, we, can, we can each leave at the separate time we want to without a row about the taxi. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing. It is amazing. Although I am really actually just looking forward to seeing everybody and I am really, really looking forward to seeing everybody in a pub. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, and without, I, I just, um, warning, lecture approaching, but I just yeah. think the, yeah. the role of the, of the pub in particularly in British society, my theory is it's because all of our flats are absolutely tiny, which is why the public house has, has been such an important cornerstone of the community, but they really are the cornerstones of the community. It's where we go to meet, to socialise, to um, get over our rows with with loved ones, occasionally to have a row with a loved one, um, to go and, you know, sing and let our, our inhibitions drop a bit. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the, the pub is one place where you'll see blokes with their arms around each other. You know, it might be in the context of them cheering on the football team, but that's what, you know, they're, they're so important in terms mm. of our society. And also just having a drink around a pub table. Sunday papers... Oh, Bit of a roast, maybe. I think we need to stop talking about it now. It's making me feel a bit sad. Only another two months. How long do you think? This is the this is the big question. Well, so uh, what does it say? The seventeenth. So when's three weeks from now? Halfway through May. Do you, oh, well, it's not all just suddenly going to stop. You know, it's not going to change overnight back to how it was anyway. Is it? It's going to be a staggered approach. I wonder whether they'll try and get the kids back to school for some summer term. Um, when would that start theoretically so we go back to school on monday having had some easter holidays uh -huh. and then there's a few weeks of that and there's a may half term mm -hmm. and then there's a few more weeks and then they break up around the third week of july so i reckon the latter half of the summer term they'll be back at school and they'll start you know but i can't see it happening much before the may half term i don't know ah <sighs> And how have you found your experience of homeschooling? Because again, I mean, we should also kind of talk about we should talk about what's about you personally, about how all of this stuff has come along, and how you, o overnight you are, you know, not chief gin peddling. You're homeschooling. You're you're keeping <laughs> and, and your temper with your. To be on email. And yeah, no, I mean, well, we, from the get-go, decided that we'd have a bit of a routine. So um, my son, who is currently eight, and I and Easy, my partner, put together a little timetable, and we try and leave the house on a school day at half eight, um, like we would do normally, and walk for the mile that we would do normally um, to kind of get us going. <laughs> um and uh, having that, you know, and then I'm just not stressing about it too much, to be honest. The school have been amazing and provided lots of worksheets and stuff. So we print some of those off. We try and get a couple of those done in the morning. 
And then it's mummy's fun and creative learning time. Well, I know a lot more about Howard Carter and the tomb of Tutankhamun than I did. Um, we're making a canopic jar. It is quite grisly, this. Um, it, it's when in, in ancient Egypt, when they used to mummify the bodies, they would take the organs out of them first and put them in a jar. I can't actually remember why. There is a reason for that. I'll have to oh, I'll find out. I'm sure we'll you asked Gil, and didn't he say something like, true. well, I mean, uh, how are you going to get into the afterworld unless you've got them? Uh. There you go. There you go. So we're making a canopic jar. We've made a rubber band uh, fueled boat. It's quite impressive. That's quite hard to say, let alone do. Um, <laughs> and we've planted so many seeds uh, in little pots about the place. Um, Gil has almost zero interest in gardening but he's very sweetly kind of going along with it for my benefit <laughs> i think that that sentence probably actually sums up what every single person needs to do and be doing which is to just go along with it for somebody else and grit your teeth and go yes yes yeah. um but for example my my uh partner is currently going through a big phase of uh, crime documentaries and crime true crime podcasts and things oh, and going along with it with a smile on your face is yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely it. and in return headphones. in return uh my uh, my partner has started learning the names of the characters in the archers i yes you did mention that can this identify roy by by voice alone which um, is quite difficult to do because he can sound very like Tom. Oh, he's, he's so bland, so boring. So, if Roy, if you're listening, act playing Roy. I'm sure you just put that voice on for the role. Oh, no. <laughs> Offended somebody already. Um, but oh, yeah, so... Already? I think, yeah, that wasn't the first. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, we're just trying to make it fun. We built a shed in our garden this week and we went on holiday to it. That was quite fun. Um, I, You know, <laughs> in as much... It's all relative, isn't it? Um, but, you know, we slept in the shed and and cooked outside. Um, we only did that for a night. Yeah. <laughs> I've got three questions for you. And my plan is, so I've got, I've got a wish list of people who I want to talk to on this on this podcast and you and I are going to keep nattering nattering through it and just keep stringing bits and pieces. Um, but my, my highly technical three questions are, um, what's the first drink you'll have outside at the end of all of this whenever it comes well that is an excellent question it does depend very much on the weather <laughs> and the location if it's hot i think a really good bright and gin and tonic on the beach somewhere has got to be you know as the sun goes down at the end of the it's going to be hot. of course it's going to be delightful it's going to be yeah. august isn't it so it's <laughs> that, that, that that would probably be my ideal scenario with a little bowl of salty nuts please oh so that might also be my you know what's the first thing that you're going to that you want to eat out and about well my salty nuts with gin and tonic and then mm, that's a good question as well hmm, have you thought about the answer to this um it it's a bit like death row meal it's sort of it it changes according to mood, time of day and, and everything else. But actually, one of the things I think probably we would love to do when it is appropriate and safe to do so is to um, take probably a 
Brighton gin, big and a you know chilled tonic, and a bottle of really good fizz, maybe a bottle of Ridgeview, mm-hmm. some fish and chips. Well, I was just about to say, what about Kipper in a roll from um, Jack and Jack and Linda Mills, or some you know yeah, the, some some bankers or Regency fish and chips, and sit on the beach and listen to the watch and listen to the waves come in and listen to everyone else having a really lovely time around me doing the same thing a meter and a half away from you instead of well, <laughs> i mean sometimes actually that can be a good thing to be honest because that beach in the summer is but it's like a seal colony everyone has to turn over at the same time but um but i think but at the moment that's one of the things that, that i'm really that i'm really looking forward to to doing not necessarily anything particularly sophisticated apart from the ridgeview of course which is right girt lush but that thing of just being jolly good and we could always make a sussex 75 but then i probably wouldn't be able to chew my chips after that okay. well i thought that's where you were going with the with the oh. sparkling and the gin actually i thought you were going for our sussex 75 I, i'd join you if you were having sussex 75s but i would bring my kipper <laughs> in my role and meet you because i don't really like fish and chips Bring your own kipper. Scampion chips, yeah. You can have you can have it all. I'm also wondering, you know, and and fish stocks will be magically replenished in the sea at the end of this spell because things won't have been overfished and consumed. Or maybe they will. I don't know. Oh, I know how to depress people. I was gonna say, but all the tinned fish is gone, isn't it? So they're I don't know when those fish died though, probably quite a long time ago. Sorry, everybody, that's (laughs) (laughs) if you know when the fish in your tin died, you can get in contact. Anyway, question three. Well, I think you've you've you've. Um, I might have to rephrase my my uh, my three questions into one. Um, but it would be, where do you want to go to? We, my son and I, have spent quite a lot of time talking about if we weren't in lockdown in our back garden, where would we ideally be in lockdown? And we have decided there's a very nice campsite on the west coast of France which would be ideal we have discussed it obviously you'd need to have your supplies there but hot somewhere warm and beachy would be really nice might go up Lansden oh oh why do you want to go there oh see all the people again (laughs) stupid where are you gonna go well I I absent-mindedly found found myself looking at um going oh wouldn't it be nice to go to Cornwall for the weekend just stood up the other day and was like have I just stood up and hit my head on something why am I thinking that it's oh yes we're just going to push off to Cornwall for the weekend but um but as you know as a sunny August Cornwall visit would be a lovely a lovely thing lots of amazing don't get sucked in by that no, well I'm going by kind of fantasy fantasy setting where it's all perfect where of course it's sizzling hot during the day uh, yet yeah. magically really not very busy at all so I can go on incredible incredible walks around the yeah. Minac and Porthcurno and around there um, go Make and have yourself a decent pub exactly go and have some really really nice drinks and a really decent decent boozer incredible food yeah. just the term socially distant we never said socially distant until a few weeks ago and when I first heard it I just yeah it did not sit well with me at all it is not a not something that comes naturally but that's it. I know exactly suddenly all, all of these things that were clunky phrases a few weeks ago now we're all experts on furloughing and socially distancing and you know we're listening to a to a daily government briefing and all sorts of stuff which we've just missed, by the way. Did that on purpose. 
you? You've still got to stay in. I think that's a headline. <laughs> exactly. Stop touching Nothing people. It's quite hard to find some news that isn't about coronavirus, actually, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did I hear some good news? Maybe I read it. Maybe I dreamt it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's unlikely, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, Paddington 2 is up on the BBC website. That's good news. Is it? Yeah. I love that film. I saw it on a plane and I cried, but that could have been the excess white wine, to be honest. I think I might have been on that plane. <laughs> I, I remember that. That was on the way to, um, or maybe it was you making me watch it on the way to Hong Kong. Making me. Yeah. Yeah. We don't just flit off to Hong Kong every five minutes either. I really like the way I Not said, anymore. Oh, we're on the plane to Hong Kong. <laughs> I know. Well, that's, yeah, all of that. Oh, maybe we should try and have a bit of a, maybe for future chats, we should try and talk to some of our our friends over overseas with whom we, we do gin things and adventures and stuff. So it's a Friday night. Um, yeah. What's what, what de- yeah? What delights are in store? Well, um, I think by being in here, I've managed to get away with not taking part in the cookery thing that's happening in the kitchen. As you know, I'm not renowned <clears throat> for my um, well, I'm just not that. But I love food, but I'm just not that bothered about cooking. I'm really very happy for other people to cook for me. That's absolutely fine. Uh, so I think Easy and Gill have been making. Um, little dim sum dumpling parcel things. So I'm quite excited about that. Um, I think we're going to watch a film. I might have a little sherry. <laughs> and that's actual <laughs> sherry, isn't it? Rather than euphemistic sherry. Uh, an, an actual sherry, yes. I should tell you what it's called, actually. Yeah, sherry of choice. This is going to be an audio podcast, so you might want to read out what the label says. I appreciate that you well, showed it to the no. camera. No, I'm showing you because I don't know how to say it. Ow. Um, X-E-C-O. It is from Jerez. It is Jerez Sherry. Um, I can't find my specs. but (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week when Ellie finds her specs. Um, (laughs) It's been, it's nutty and aromatic and it's been partially aged haven't we all? In oak, oxidatively in oak, in the town of Jerez, mm, the place she... that gave its name to the word sherry. Rich she... amber in colour. It has aromas of fresh vanilla and sun-baked fruit. So I'm going to have some of that. Bottoms up. I was talking to Ellie Dobing, co-conspirator in and chief gin peddler of Brighton Gin. And you can find out more about Brighton Gin by going to www.brightongin.com. I'm Cathy Caton and thank you so much for listening to The Sipping Forecast.